I sat up here and ate pasta, and now it's wearing off. Oh, yeah. That's a hard one. So I already pushed record, so I'm just going to leave that on the show. So. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, fine. I was talking I don't about have cheese any sticks. Shame about my eating habits. Oh, mm, girl, no, I, I eat pasta. I had ra- I had a uh, cheese ravs and meat salsa like two nights ago. I'm right there. Oh God, cheese ravs. Cheese ravs. I've never heard anybody call them cheese ravs. Cheese ravs. <laughs> I mean, you usually go meat ravs, of course, but it's you know. Cheese, cheese ravs. <laughs> Oh, definitely leave this in. So welcome People to the need show. To see who we actually are as human beings. This is a episode. We can't 24. be professional all the time. No, nah. no. Um, I mean, in no. in their defense, the the record button started sooner than I. I usually there's a little lag, and it was just instant. So if you start hearing the stuff about pasta and cheese wraps, that's that's just cheese wraps. This is real talk. I think it was because I worked at a an Italian restaurant, and Lena knows about it. But the, the Old Town Spaghetti Store in West Tennessee, and so like when people would order, it's like I got to order meat wraps, I got to order cheese wraps. So like it's just shorthand. Ah. So like I just you know. Plus, why would you be bothered? Why would you be bothered saying ravioli when you just say ravs? Because ravioli is a fun word. That's true. Ravioli, so ravioli, give me the, what is it, from Spongebob? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember now. I started and I was going down a road and then I just <laughs> I just fell it's, off of something. Fine. We're going to get a lot of Spongebob fans. Was, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, you yeah, the whoever, whoever remembers <laughs> the rest of that. <laughs> Please let us know. It's like uh, it's like oh Michael God. Scott on The Office. He's like, sometimes I just start a sentence. I don't know where I'm going to end up. That's <laughs> me every day of my life with everything that I say. Did you, uh, KB, did you see that thing? Someone did a custom avatar on uh, WWE and they did Prison Mike. <laughs> yes. It's incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. Oh. That's one of my, my favorite things about the time of year that we get in a, a new WWE game is all of the... All, All of the, the custom avatars and then like um the revival coming out to the iconics entrance. Yeah, like they're all yeah, that was <laughs> or awesome. Roman Reigns coming out to the Sasha Banks entrance and he's just flipping his hair. It's amazing. Oh, there's our there's our we can tick off our our wrestling <laughs> our wrestling Oh yeah, uh, mention for our episode. <laughs> I was going to say we. I mean, it was a big month. I mean, the NWA seventieth, and you went to Evolution, and you also went to NXT in Orlando. I mean, it was. I'm surprised we didn't have just an episode for wrestling. I did all. You have to do like a spinoff episode. Yeah, where it's like you three and true. and then me have a break that day because <laughs> I don't watch wrestling. That's fine. We've that's uh, we've been threatening it. That's just it's just so much to. Ugh. Well, okay. and I, I think both of us we just canceled our WWE network. Um, I also think that people don't come here to listen to us talk about wrestling. Well, so, we would just create a I space know. where they did that, KB. That's how it happens, you know? A so space. If we if we do that, if we did like a spin-off wrestling episode, then KB and I are going to do a spin-off K-pop episode. Oh, yes, we are. I'm surprised yes, it yes, hasn't happened. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that we've just planned it on our own and put it up on iTunes without yeah. you I, about it. <laughs> I am 100% 
here for it. You know that I'm here for it. That doesn't offend me at all. That's fine. I'm already at, I'm already thinking all these questions I want to ask you about uh, Twice's new song that dropped today. Ugh. Ugh. Don't get me started. I know. Don't we'll talk about started. that later. <laughs> All right. So this What's has been, going on, guys? This serious. Has been five Let's minutes of us. And, you know, the sad thing is, is we're even a man down. Like we don't even, we're not even full force and we're already this far off track. So <laughs> anyways, Eli, KB, Kayla, Lena is not here with us tonight. Um, she's here in spirit. So no fun facts this week. Sad. Um, but sad. yeah, so this is our first episode after Halloween. We didn't get to record one after whatever the last one was uh kb traveled i traveled um kayla's still in another state so we were just <laughs> all over the place I, I you know like traveled to another plane of like existence mm-hmm. for a little while mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, the usual halloween stuff that i do so hopefully you kept up with our movie list we put some effort into it and um it's done now, so if you want to go back and uh, read the reviews. and um, I think some of them were short. I think Mandy, I just said four words, and then some of them were, like, really long. So, you know, Sorry. they're very, very <laughs> were, were those Were those four words that movie was garbage? <laughs> um, I think that's that was the, the four review. Words I have to say about I it. I think hot that's take. the review you were giving originally. Hot um, take. Um, hot take, hot take, hot take. Um, I love a hot take. So, yeah. But anyways, tonight we are interviewing uh, Chris Le, Le Martina. Le, I almost said Martini. Le Martina. Le Martini. Le Martini. La, La Martina. He almost. I think went, that that's just what he expects us to call him now. Yeah. Well, when he was spelling it out, I was going to be like L A Y M A R T I N I Martini. <laughs> um, yes, Chris. Um, Chris is the director, probably most uh, most well known for the WNUF Halloween special, which we love. And um, if you did follow along with our Halloween list uh, movie list, uh, that was the the October first movie. That was the very first one we listed, and um, just a really cool um, idea. The way they did it, you know, they did it for like almost no money whatsoever, and so just to see the claim they've gotten for it and um you know TerraVision records ended up having like a tie-in vinyl release with it and uh now we have news of a sequel that they're doing and there's gonna be a gofundme for that so we just thought it was a cool um cool chance to like kind of talk to him about some of his you know other works that he's done and then all things wnuf and then kind of give us a few little hints uh nuggets about what's coming out with the sequel and all that so that is the main focus of the show um for the beginning here we were just going to talk about um i don't know i think we said like halloween highlights maybe or some of some of the stuff we i like kb saw halloween horror nights in orlando she put the video up on that um I went to- and let me tell you guys that that experience was I want to say that it was awesome, but it was also very stressful because for people that haven't been to Halloween Horror Nights, let me give you a quick rundown. You need to expect to stand in line for a house for about two hours, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe an hour at least. And there's so many houses that you you have to plan to basically be there until it stays open until about two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's so late. it's mm-hmm. very loud. 
Um, being a person that does not like haunted houses, I had fun, but like my experience was just like kind of traumatic. <laughs> oh no! Um, no, I mean I'm I'm and. I'm not being a baby. I just don't, I don't do haunted houses. I don't like people jumping out at me. Like it's never been a thing that I've really been able to handle. I can handle it in movies. Like I can, I could do that. But if I have a live person near me, I'm, I just am very easily startled. So, you know, we, we did a couple of the houses. We did stranger things. Stranger things was really cool. It was pretty scary. But when you're part of a fandom and you're going through a house and you're seeing all of these characters that you love so much, it's not that scary. So like the trick or treat, the trick or treat house wasn't that scary. It was more about like, I felt like I was seeing the sets and, you know, yeah, people were jumping like, you know, little Sam Haynes were jumping out from behind the corner and it was just, it was exciting because I love Sam and that's one of my favorite, you know, all time all-time horror movie characters that I love. So, like, the experience with those two houses was cool. But I hadn't seen Poltergeist in a long time, so, like, a lot of it didn't really make a lot of sense to me because I didn't take the time to rewatch the originals before going through the house. But by the, I think it had a lot to do with me being so tired. <laughs> As we got to the last house, and it was... Um, scary tales I think so it was like twisted fairy tales so we go in and the opening of it was oh I was so excited because it was it was Wizard of Oz oh um and there was supposed to there was supposed to be a witch flying around and she wasn't there so it was just like you're but it was still pretty cool because you're going into like the witch's castle or whatever oh cool and then you know, before we went in, I had kind of told myself, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should sit this one out. I'm really tired. You know, there's a lot of flashing lights. It's very, very cramped. It's your, you know, you're walking and it's, they're right there at you. You don't have a lot of room to move around. It's very, very dark. And when I say very, very dark, like sometimes it's pitch black and then there's a strobe light. So it's, it can be disorienting. And, we got in that house and I finally turned around and looked at my husband. I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm going to close my eyes and you have to guide me through this house. I, I can't, I, I feel like if I, if I open my eyes and I let these people startle me, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. (laughs) It's funny in retrospect because it's really not that big of a deal. It's, it's, it's all not real, but it was, I think it was just, you know, I was tired and I just was tired of being scared. Sure. At a certain point you're like over it. (laughs) Right. So I closed my eyes and they're guiding me through this house. And the only time that I opened my eyes was because I smelled gingerbread (laughs) and we were, I opened my eyes and we're in the like Hansel and Gretel house, but Gretel is laying on the table with her intestines everywhere. And I was like, nope, going to close my eyes again. So I closed my eyes and then that turns your, like all of your other senses a little bit higher. So everything was louder. So I hear all of these like gurgling sounds in my ears and people screaming. And by the time we got out, I was like, y'all, I got to go to bed. 
<laughs> but it's it's a massive, massive thing, and it is truly an experience. Like all of the scare scare zones with like the killer clowns from outer space and Chucky and all of that stuff was super cool. My favorite part was um, the eighties vampires. So they were also not or were they only were they in 80s attire they had some dressed up as like famous musicians of the 80s so there was a vampire prince and vampire run dmc and it was just there was like it was, they were just everywhere and they were so much fun because they'll they'll fuck with you and they'll get in your face but they don't like they're not like aggressive or anything i watched one guy it was like a 80s punk rock vampire with a kilt on <laughs> scare this girl and she sees and he's standing right in front of her he scares her and she jumps and then he waits a second and then he scares her again and it gets her so badly that she took a step backward and just ate shit (laughs) (laughs) so it was it's a fun experience I'm not like super sure that I would ever do it again I think I would go just to hang out but it's also you know pretty expensive but it's it's fun. I think that people that like haunted houses and do haunted houses every Halloween will have a fantastic time. You just have to prepare yourself for the mass amounts of people. Yeah. Um, but as a person that doesn't do haunted houses and doesn't like haunted houses, like I probably won't go back. I don't know. But it's we'll worth see. it for like one time. Even if oh, you yeah. just like everybody should go like once. Oh, for sure. You awesome. should eat if you are, especially if they have a house that, you know, is a fandom that you're a big fan of. So like we were super excited about stranger things. So it was definitely worth it. Um, it's definitely like a, I think for me personally, I probably won't do it again. Not because I had a bad experience, just because haunted houses just aren't my thing. So it's all very well, it's all very well done. They, you know, I went with one of my friends that works in the park. So she knows a lot of the, the behind the scenes stuff and, you know, the stranger things team and the Netflix team were very particular about who played what character and they had to pre-screen all of these people and there were tons of auditions. So that was cool. I think that for me next year, if I decide to go back in October, I'll actually do the daytime tour where you can go through the houses with the lights on just to see the setups. Yeah. Cause that's mm. more where my interest lies. So there's my spiel about Halloween horror nights. It's fun, but I probably won't do it again. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of was hoping to go back this year. Um, Lena and I went in 2013, not together, just at the same time. And mm-hmm. um, The Walking Dead was the the big thing. It was like... Was, <laughs> nope. Yeah, it was on like season three <laughs> or four, so it was like at its height. So. If, it was, if it was zombies, you best believe my ass would not be there. Well, that would... So they had some of the, like the... Um, the zones were walking dead and like they had like, you know, the camper from one of the first seasons and there was a truck with like Daryl's crossbow on it. And it's just like all the props were laying around, but then you could walk into the different zones, but like throughout the whole park, they just had walkers just walking at all times and they oh, would jump wow. up, jump up in you. No, thank they, you. <laughs> so that was the main thing, but like they had a uh, evil dead was one of the houses, uh, which you might've liked. Um, they had a resident evil, 
um, house. They had a cabin in the woods. Um, cool. Oh, that'd be so cool. Cabin in the woods. Yeah. Oh, um, that'd be so fun. Let's see. American Werewolf in London was kind of underwhelming. I was pretty pretty bummed with that one. Um, they had one called Urban Legends. It was a Le La Rona. Um, it's like a Mexican oh, La La Rona? Yeah. La La Rona. Yeah. Cool. Um, they had one called Afterlife Death's Vin- Vengeance, and it's about some serial killer. I don't know. And then they had like a, uh, they, yeah, they call them scare zones. So there's like one, two, three, four, five, five of well, the Walking Deads. And then they had this Bill and Ted Halloween show that was pretty awesome. Oh, um, that's fun. Yeah. So I don't My know. My favorite I, scare zone was these crazy pumpkin people. Like, they had people on stilts and they were like these deformed pumpkin creatures and it was so cool Mm. this one guy was like lit up from the inside it was amazing that was my favorite i saw some of the like um like the the the, like the live action chucky and um, yeah that was so much fun yeah and chucky just talked shit the entire time it was a lot of fun So I think it, I don't know. I, I probably, I'm like you, I didn't know that there was a daytime tour when we went. So I kind of missed out on that. And the lines are, well, it's just a combination of, you know, the residents, they'll just go like, that's where they go for their haunted houses. So like where we go to national nightmare, those things, like they just go to universal. So you have that plus all the people coming in from all over the world. So, um, yeah, I think our average wait was about an hour and a half at all the houses. So it doesn't really feel like you're seeing much, but definitely intense. Yeah. Mm. But it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, I I agree. I would, I would at least try to check it out once. I want to go again just because I I do like haunted houses. So sweet. Um, so I think we're going to talk about, um, so I, I did see Halloween. Me and Lena saw it, um, a couple of days before it was released. Um, so that was cool. And then I just saw Suspiria. Has anybody else tried to check it out? Or is it just no, me? I think Aaron and I nope. are going to go see it maybe this weekend. He's mm-hmm. really interested in seeing it with mm-hmm. me too. Okay. I have not decided if I'm going to go see it or not. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Um, <laughs> I know Eli and I talked about this a little bit. So <laughs> let's just let's just leave it yeah. because yeah. well, we maybe might unpack new, it later. Yeah. yeah, well, and we can unpack it later think, after we've all seen it. Yeah, and I think we can just go to like we were talking about. You know, Netflix killed it in October. Um, yes, I mean they even. I, I didn't even remember that they put out uh, Daredevil, the new episode, the new season of Daredevil slipped in. I know it just showed up one day, and Aaron and I were like, "We're too busy." Like, we're yeah, watching, I mean, we're watching really. Sabrina, watching Haunted of Hill House. Um, there was just oh, so Haunting many. Haunted of Hill House was oh, so good. Oh yeah. my god, I love it so much. It was so amazing. Oh, uh, I got my brothers to watch it. Day. When I was done with it, I was like, I need to call my whole family. They all need to watch it. I need to like hug all my family and cry. It was so good. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it was really well done. Um, I was reading. Uh, well, he, I guess he, uh, the director Mike Flanagan, I guess. Uh, yeah. He, he posted on Twitter about um, the episode six long take, the long take oh, episode. That was amazing. Yeah, he was talking about how they filmed that and how originally it was going to be like the last episode they did, but with the budget started running out, so they moved it up. So they kind of um, had to change things on the fly. So, but, God, that was so good. 
Um, so I guess just let's just name a like a, what's what was a highlight for everybody for Halloween was you know was there a particular show or TV show or movie or you know KB maybe it was Halloween Horror Nights I mean what was the what was I what was a highlight for the season? I think Haunting of Hill House actually was for me that and um, Castlevania because I'm just such a big Castlevania fan. That show was so good. Mm -hmm. So finally getting a second season for that was really exciting. Uh, But Haunting of Hill House kind of took it for me. It was such a good show. Yeah, I, I would agree with that with Haunting of Hill House. I loved it. So much. And I was a little skeptical about it, too, because I'm a big fan of the book. And I knew that it was different. And I knew that he had changed a lot. But it really blew me away. I was really impressed. And I also really loved uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, too. Mm -hmm. It was just like... I don't know. I, I feel to watch it yet. Oh, it's so fun. And I feel I like know, it's, it's amazing. It's so fun. And I think that that's really, really what I needed was, I feel like with like politics and just like the world, I get really down about things really easily. If I start thinking about like elephants and global warming, Me too. Me I get too. like really sad. I get so down. <laughs> I get so down really easily. And I think I've just been kind of mired in that kind of nastiness right now. And so Sabrina came on and it was like, it was over the top and bright and like cheesy and like devilly and the costumes were awesome and it was sassy and it was exactly what I needed to see at the right time. I think okay, I need to watch uh, it. It was, yeah, it's a fun, it just takes you into like another world and you just don't feel sad. And it's just, I don't know. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I thought it was really good. So I think that was, those two were my highlights. Um, yeah, I would probably echo that. Um, I will say, um, they just, uh, at the very end of the, the month, they released don't watch this. And I mean, it was like 25 minutes. It's just these short little, uh, one was like a two minute thing. One was like a nine minute thing. I mean, they're just little short films that they threw together and it was it was pretty good um creeped out i think we've talked about um yes! it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like a modern uh i don't know goosebumps or are you afraid of the dark uh i got about four or five episodes in and it's it's really good um and i think it's just kind of a you know they're walking that line of some things are just fun if they're spooky you know you don't have to be super gross mm-hmm. and super gory um mm-hmm. And um, so I've enjoyed those. Um, Apostle, I think Kayla watched. Um, yes. That one That one was a little bit more gory, a little bit more graphic. Um, I'd like to watch it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was, it was a little bit more intense. I thought it was a little too long for the content that they had. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just didn't seem a lot. But I'll watch anything that Dan Stevens does because I think that he's amazing. So I was perfectly happy to watch Dan Stevens run around being like dirty and heroic for a couple, like 90 minutes or so. It was great. Uh, I think it was six hours actually. (laughs) It felt like six hours. Um, I I don't know. For some reason it felt like way too long. Um, Yeah. yeah, It was a lot. So that, (laughs) but Dan Stevens. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, but it was, uh, it's just wild that we, 
You know, I, I think any other month that might have been like the pick of the month, but there's just so much stuff that they put out this this season. It was just they kind of got lost in the wash a little bit. Yeah. Um, Halloween obviously came out. You know, it did what it did. Um, some mixed stuff about it. Um, <laughs> it did. It did what it did. It did what it did. <laughs> That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I've I found a couple little nitpicky stuff the second time I watched it. Um, you know, a couple continue, continuous, continue. What is the word I'm thinking of? Continue at con, No. Con, Continuity. Thank you. I was like, that's not coming out of my mouth. Right. <laughs> I Hang like, on. I think I know what he's trying to yes, do. <laughs> thank you. Sorry. I was just like, no, con, you're fine. I think I was trying to say continuous, but it was coming out like continuously, but that's ah, similar, yeah. but it's not. A, okay. Anyways, there was a few little things like that that were kind of, you know, I don't think took away from it, but I just noticed more the second time. And, um, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I've told my friends, like, I think this was the best story that they could do with including Lori in a modern setting without it being just stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I think this was Mm -hmm. the best version we were going to get. If there's more, cool. I mean, I'm cool with it. Um, I'm hoping that some of the other franchises kind of take a look at it and maybe we'll get a new Friday the 13th or a new Friday, you know, Friday or whatever. I will say, uh, Robert England was on the Goldbergs dressed up as Freddie. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> it, um, you know, me being a huge Freddie nerd that I don't think I, he was in the episode long enough. So that was a little bummed, but it was really awesome. And, um, what else was I going to say? Oh, I, I haven't watched the, the reboot of Roseanne just because of all the fallout and crap, but I did check out the Halloween episode, and it was such a letdown. Like, that that series was always known for their cool Halloween shows, episodes. Yeah. It was just the... So, that was a little... I wasn't expecting much, but I was like, well, hopefully they'll at least kill it with this, and yeah, it wasn't that great. That's a bummer. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of a... I've mentioned to some friends, I, I, I don't know, something about the season just kind of, I was kind of bummed about, I don't know, like, I, I think it might have been last year, I guess, probably the excitement of starting the show with you guys and getting that started. And, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe that just added to the excitement. But this year, just I don't know, I think it was the combination of like, the, the temperatures were warmer, you know, like, I, I wore shorts today to work. I mean, I'm still in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it didn't really get to fall weather and um uh, i don't know maybe we were all just kind of busy this season and we didn't get to do as much with the show as we did last year i don't know what it is but something just doesn't didn't feel i don't know there's like an asterisk besides this this halloween Mm -hmm. season for me for some reason so yeah um, some halloweens are like that and it's hard to put your finger on but i think we have very high expectations for halloween and i think it can be tough to fit in everything that we want to do or feel like we should do. Yeah. I feel like that's tough. Um, I feel like that a lot with Halloween and I know other people feel that way with Christmas. I do not, but I feel like Halloween, I would just want to do everything. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, make the best of it, but you know, something, something's missing in my heart. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so on that note, um, yeah. So that was our kind of our. Sh- that may have been the most random start of the show we've ever done. We started talking about 
uh, pasta and Rabs. cheese wraps. And <laughs> cheese wraps. They were just ending with me being heartbroken about Halloween. So, oh, <laughs> there's still so many good things about Halloween too. Yeah. And I mean, as we speak, I, I have my orange lights in my room lit up. Uh, one is basically they're pumpkins. They're like jack o' lanterns that light up, and the other are just like Christmas lights, but they're orange. So I'm kind of getting the you know, getting the spooky vibes in here. So well, that's good. Yeah. So keep it alive. Keep it alive. So yeah. <laughs> I guess since we didn't really have much to talk about, I guess we'll just take a break and go into our interview. And um It's a good one. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Chris is Chris Excuse is uh, Chris, so much fun that I can't actually form words. <laughs> now that's my thing. Yeah, he was, that's that's my Chris gimmick. was awesome. I'm supposed to not be able to say words like a human. <laughs> I um, think we can all manage that. Yeah. So, well, cool. When we come back, uh, interview with uh, Chris Martina. <laughs> all right. And joining us tonight on the show... Um, it's one of the a director of one of our you know favorite films here in the last little bit. Uh, if you followed along with our Halloween movie list this year, it was the first one listed for October first, um, the WNUF Halloween special. And we were talking about it before we got Chris on, and we we're talking about the <clears throat> excuse me the the vinyl record release and um, how Frank Stewart is just a treasure. And uh, <laughs> so we just, we just love the project. It's just so well done. And um, when we got wind of uh, doing the sequel and a lot of the fun uh, videos that were coming out for that, we just, we really wanted to get him on and talk about past stuff, talk about the new project. Maybe he'll slip us some, some Easter eggs, you know, <laughs> what he, what he can and can't say all that kind of stuff. But um but yeah, we're joined with Chris Le Martina. I think I just butchered it again. Sorry. <laughs> you just told me like two minutes ago and I butchered it. It's so. all good. Um, so yeah. So how's it no, going? Babe? Now we have to just say Le Martini. Le Martini. <laughs> just go full wrong. Yeah. Just go full wrong. Yeah. Le Martini. Just say, say it like six different ways through the course of the episode. I mean, we, we last year, this, yeah. last year we inter- interviewed Linnea Quigley and like, as soon as we started, I was like, Lene Quigley. And I was like, and like <laughs> KB was NC, like, you butchered that. Like, just, yeah. So. Head and hands. I shouldn't be trusted with speaking, I don't think. So. <laughs> Says the host. Says the host. Says yeah. the host. <laughs> welcome, welcome to our show. Yeah. Well, Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> hanging out with us <laughs> and dealing with us. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of giggling ahead. <laughs> yeah. So the first question, just uh, you know, right off the bat, tell us about your background, how you got started, um, you know, h- how you made your mark, especially as like an independent director. Sure. So, um, you know, I started making movies when I was, um, well, when I was a little kid, like, you know, like, like 10 or 12 or that era, I was just making stop motion animation movies. I started making slasher flicks, uh, when I was 14, I had seen enough sort of really bad shot on video movies where I wanted to try to, you know, make my own thing. Um, so when I was 14, I made a movie called Americill, which was like this slasher comedy and um, I, I shot everything in sequence. Um, and like, it was this crazy thing where, when the camera stopped and started, those were my edits. So it was all in camera editing as it's called. And, uh, 
Um, so there's only three VCR edits in the final edit of the movie, and we showed that at a, um, a movie theater in Baltimore when I was 14. And I sort of um, the first time I showed a movie to an audience, and I got like you know a laugh or, or a you know a, a gross out reaction. Um, I sort of caught the bug, and um, I started getting obsessed with making movies, making more movies. Um, and then I'm trying to think to, to truncate this very quickly. Like I've been producing true true features uh, since 2000. And, um, you know, I, I met Jimmy George, who was my, um, my collaborator for the original WF, um, in 2000, um, in, in 2000, yeah, in 2006, we, um, started working on our second feature a movie called book of lore. And, um, yeah, I mean like I, somewhere down the line, I just came with the idea of really enjoying making horror comedies and, um, you know, modestly budgeted, the budgets have been anywhere from, uh, $300 to $40,000. And, um, we just try to put as much, um, production value on the screen as possible. That's, that's awesome. A very, that's a great description. That was like very succinct, very. <laughs> yeah. I, know. That's I, really... I can't do that as a person. You ask me a question and I have to give you my whole life story. So I'm just very impressed by that. Well, it, it's funny. I, I feel like I, I try to do things very as fast as possible, which is which is dangerous when you talk fast, because sometimes folks won't understand you. Um, but I, but I have a career in marketing and advertising. Ah, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> that'll so, do so, it. <laughs> so like it, you sort of get used to doing the elevator pitch. Like I always approach every conversation like uh, this person probably doesn't give a shit about what I have to say. So I better get it out as fast as possible and as efficiently as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, especially as like movies get longer and books get longer. Yes. Uh, it's just, I now appreciate like a good solid, like 250 page novel, like nailed it. <laughs> right. like, thank you. Yeah, yeah, give it. me an, give me a movie that's an hour and a half or like episodes that are 25 minutes long. Give me that all day. You know, I always joke that I'd love if all feature films were just 45 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it'd be like and I was really excited when I turned on the WNUF Halloween special, and it was like an hour and 18 minutes or something. I was like, mm. oh, bliss. We love that. <laughs> we love that. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I thought it was really cool when you mentioned that you started making or showed the movie in a movie theater when you were 14. Like, that's pretty amazing. Um and I was curious, what were some of your major influences and favorite movies growing up? Sure. So um, I, I guess my my first, like the gateway drug into horror stuff was um, uh, I would watch like, you know, old, old Hammer Horror movies with my dad, like when they were, when, you know, Turner Classic movies would show them or things like that. Um, but then um, there's a couple things. Like I grew up like loving the Ghostbusters. So things that were spooky and things like that were were just like part of my, my learning experience growing up. And I would I was, I was partially raised by my very superstitious um, Italian Catholic godmother, and <laughs> she um, she would tell me stories of the saints, and um, you know I, I like you know I learned about stigmata at a very young age, and that oh, was wow. kind of, that was kind of <laughs> funny. Um, we used to go visit relatives in the graveyard, this big this big cemetery in Baltimore, and um, so she like she had no problem like buying me videotapes of like horror movies, and I'll never forget I I really loved the cartoon Toxic Crusaders, so when I was like six years old or so she bought me a copy not knowing what kind of movie it was she bought me a copy of toxic avenger um, <laughs> and that wow. i mean that movie totally it, it really i think it scarred me but i think in a good way um because i think it was it was like i'd never seen a movie that was low budget like that but um and granted there's some things that a six-year-old should not have seen obviously um but it, it that was that always stuck with me and then i think the other movie that was really really influential from a standpoint of like um, almost like when you when you see the Ramones play, 
and somebody goes, oh shit, like three chords, I could write a song, right? The movie that did that for me was when I, I um, there was, they were showing a very severely edited version of um, Evil dead on the sci-fi channel it was um i think it was called um zombie week it was that it was like probably like in the um 1994 95 and rob zombie hosted this and this version of evil dead yeah it, it, it i i'm hearing myself now this is weird <laughs> <laughs> hold on okay okay it's gone now okay um but what i was gonna say was um uh he, when i saw this version of evil dead on on broadcast tv it was like it was so rough around the edges. I'd never seen a film that was really that that rough around the edges. That's sort of gritty sixty millimeter. The the very clear like continuity errors between you know when when um when people's wigs changed. And I loved it. And there was this sort of moment where I was like, dude, this makes me this makes me want to make something. And I think um, for me, that's always been an important part of my creative output. Like I want to be inspiring to other filmmakers. Um, and 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 Evil Dead did that for me. And then subsequently, other influences for me as you could. I don't know how many of the references because um, there's plenty of references to 80, 80s horror movies in WNF, but there's also a lot of references to shot on video uh, uh, horror film pioneers. Um, people like the Polonia Brothers, uh, J.R. Bookwalter, uh, Todd Sheets. That stuff was really important to me as a creator because um, it's not just really about what you make; it's really what you make possible. And those guys were sort of um, they kicked open the door to say, "Hey, you don't need a million dollars to make a movie that's entertaining." Mm. Well, speaking of money, and you know where you started and how you started creating, you know, your first few features, "Dead Teenagers," "Book of War," "Grape Mistakes." What were the budgets like for those? How did those sure. come about? And how did you start that journey? Yeah, so Dead Teenagers um, truly was an an, ex, um, uh, an excuse to see if I had the stamina to finish a feature, and then also to get it um, commercially um, distributed. Um, so uh, Dead Teenagers was shot for three hundred dollars. Um, it was shot on consumer camcorders, uh, so just like a mini DV camera on tapes that I had uh, quote unquote liberated from from stores. <laughs> um, I. Uh, it was it was made beg borrow steel like like um it's it, 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 there's very few things we actually purchased for for that movie uh, maybe some fake blood maybe some clothes that ended up getting ruined maybe some monster makeup but it was really cheap mm. um and and then that movie got released it got distributed and it was really cool it was actually we had this moment where I where I realized like okay I made a movie now now how do I how do I actually make a decent movie and and dead teenagers is fine you know like there's certain things when you think about a, a kid eight or 19 years old where for the majority of that film i was the only crew um like literally like you know like lighting the scene shooting the scene directing the scene doing the makeup um so so that was pretty cool um when we made book of lore that's when jimmy and i first started working together um that budget was about eight grand um we, we ended up taking um some serious time to write that script and did a, 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 like three drafts of it so and then Bo- book of lore i mean that was um that was really probably the most um it's the most like i guess uh it, it feels like the structure, it's more of a mystery than a horror film. Um, so, so it's interesting, but I mean, looking back, there's things I definitely wouldn't do, but it was a good learning experience of, of, um, in screenwriting. That was my, that was my sort of like my, my major class in screenwriting was making that movie. Um, just learning what, what, what succeeds and what fails. Um, uh, but to go quickly through the rest of the stuff, um, after that grave mistakes was shot for about a thousand bucks. Um, cause we realized none of these movies had made true any real money yet. Um, so we wanted to do some scale it back. Um, President's Day was shot for, I think, five grand. Um, Witch's Brew was shot for 16 grand. 
Um, WNF Halloween special was shot for $1,500. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's and then, amazing. <laughs> um, Call Girl of Cthulhu was shot for 40 grand, uh, maybe 41 when, when all was said and done. And then the, the one that we have in post-production that's, that should be finished. It's like, it's literally getting color corrected in the next month is a movie called what happens next will scare you. And that was shot for, I think about like five grand or so. And it's amazing if you're just conscious about what you're doing, how much money you really just don't need to make a good movie. Exactly. And, you know, even I think in 2018, it's really interesting that we're, we're drawn to now that nostalgia of the, you know, and I say this in a nice way, the shitty quality of Uh the eighties, it's supposed to look bad. And, you know, Eli, Eli collects VHS tapes I mean, you know, we have Blu-ray and 4K TVs, but we're drawn to that, you know, subpar quality because it makes us feel like we're, it's just a little bit more real, I guess. Absolutely. (laughs) I've always looked at it like it was like, um, there's a romanticism to video because it makes us think about growing up. It gives us that, like, it's like a, it's like a, it's a nice like warm taste of nostalgia. Um, it, it makes it feel familiar. It makes, it makes it, um, you know, it, it just brings back a, a, a really good feeling in, in, in most of us, um, who grew up like watching horror movies or, or sneaking down to the basement late, late at night to watch like a, like a UHF channel or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it like goes along with, um, you know, video store culture too, because you had, um, I'm from West Tennessee and we had a Blockbuster but it was on the north side of town so like it mm-hmm. was like it was a special thing to go to Blockbuster but we had a bunch of the mom and pop stores we had one that was basically um you know they had like a tanning salon and you could rent movies yes. you know yeah. all that kind of stuff um, Captain Video you know Video Rental South Hollywood Video you know all that kind of stuff um so it was just kind of that you know, got straight A's. Cool. Let's go rent a video game and rent a movie. You know, hey, we're having a sleepover. Let's go rent three movies for the weekend. You know, and it's just that that whole thing. Um, so it wasn't just the, um, you know, because it's kind of like what KB was saying. We have, you know, not only the highest quality of images you could possibly get up to this point. I mean, I can push three buttons and pretty much watch any movie I ever wanted to watch. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um, but it's just that connection to being younger and then, you know, going to a location where there was other people that had, you know, they wanted that experience as well. So, um, so I think it kind of ties into all that. So for sure. So that got off track a little bit. So, um, the first, I don't know if you want to call it, maybe the most mainstream-ish movie that you did was President's mm-hmm. Day. Um, mm-hmm. Not Maybe not in, I don't know, just the, the actual story, I guess, is what I mean by mainstream. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. know, this slasher. Um, how, how did you get from, did you do the three first? Was it Dead Teenagers, Book of Lore, Grave Mistakes, and then President's Day? Correct. Yeah, okay. that's right. So how did you get to, 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 to President's Day? Like, how did you get there? Like, after grave mistakes, how was it like, okay, we got to do this? Um, yeah. And then, like, you know, the, the the actual process of making it and then, like, getting it into, like, the film festivals, like, because a lot of people don't know that process. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, with, with – with basically, grave mistakes um, started – and I have to – to set a President's Day, I have to talk about grave mistakes. Um, when we were making grave mistakes – Mistakes, we made it essentially because we were like we didn't want to not make a movie, and I knew we didn't have a 
a feature script ready to go. So we made uh, another anthology. And, you know, Grave Mistakes was, I think, four segments plus a wraparound. Um, and, and Dead Teenagers was an anthology as well. Um, so w- when we were making um, Grave Mistakes, something changed about um, how I approached storytelling was I really started thinking about high concept. And and, it, and for those unfamiliar, high concept is basically a, a, a plot that you can describe in a single sentence, right? Like mm-hmm. some Something that you could say it, the elevator pitch is the en- the essence of the story. Whereas Book of Lore, I mean, I could do the I could break the synopsis down in, into twenty seconds, but you don't really get like the the general thrust of the movie. And and I think it's something that actually started making me think about a career in marketing as well because I got really good at coming up with a, a, a title, a logline, and essentially a poster image that would sell the movie immediately, right? So with Grave Mistakes, we started thinking about um, what I would call our um, – and something I still do to this day is I come, I would typically come up with the title first, and then I would say, okay, what's that movie – if that's the title, what's the movie about? So Grave Mistakes, you know, um, we did uh, we did one of the segments um, – you know, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, one of the segments uh, – a picture – Pictures worth a thousand screams, and it ends up becoming about spirit photography. Um, dead men do tell tales about a writer that summons a, 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 um, someone back from the dead. Um, so all these stories sort of came with titles first, and then a plot would develop. Um, and then w- with President's Day, I, I, it was weird. There was like, there's been for a while now this resurgence of slasher movies, and I love slasher movies. Um, but but I also felt like. The thing that I loved about 80 slasher movies was the novelty of connecting it to some goofy thing like like a holiday or like a profession. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I kept thinking about what would be the most absurd holiday or what would be the most absurd visual to, to pair that with. And, um, you know, I originally just wanted to do Pre- President's Day as like a short. And um, and then Jimmy came up with the idea of actually setting it at a high school student council election. Um, <laughs> and um, so basically, you uh, and it was essentially a horror version of election, right? Like the Reese Witherspoon movie. And I thought that was brilliant because, you know, I'm, I'm a political junkie. I'm obsessed with um, following like uh, politics and campaigns and things like that. So like when he pitched that to me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is finally the way I can, all the characters in president's day are based on um, all the teachers are best based on Republicans in the 2008 primary. And all, all the, <laughs> all the, the, the students are all the Democrats in the 2008 primary. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, so if you watch the movie now, you could be like, Okay, Barry is obviously Barack Obama. Uh, J- uh, uh, Joe is uh, Joe Biden. So, like, um, it's pretty crazy. I mean, like, um, and then you have things just like I mean, there's a lot of intricacies. If you're if you're a political junkie, if you watch the movie again, you can get little things based off the 2008 uh, presidential cycle. Um, but I'm trying to see. I'm, I'm diverging from the uh, the initial question initially here. Um, but so we, we, we when we made President's Day, it was the script on that was pretty easy because it's a very straightforward slasher movie. And then what we had more fun was making an ensemble film. Um, we also the other thing that changed between Grave Mistakes and President's Day was we really understood now what distributors wanted. So we amped up the gore, we put more nudity in, um, and it was very much like this is marketable. Um, whereas like. Book of Lord and Grave Mistakes were more like we're making movies and gaining our footing, but we really didn't have a grasp on, um, you know, you know, everybody says they make art for themselves. And I do believe there's plenty of art that is personal, but if people don't see your art, if they can't find it or react to it, like you're, 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 you're suffering at a, a loss. Right. So like, um, so that's, that's what President's Day was us realizing, like, we've got to get eyeballs on this stuff. And there's certain ways that we can do that. Um, you asked about film festivals. I mean, we, 
what we did for film festivals for any filmmakers listening was um, we we specifically targeted targeted horror film festivals to submit um, because we knew we weren't going to play Sundance or Con like it was just it was just stupid and a waste of money. But we also looked at um, we, we're very practical people. I've always tried to be realistic in, in how we make movies and how we bark at those movies and how um, you know it just it, it doesn't make sense to do something and fail if you didn't think it through initially. So um, for, for President's Day's festival run, we, we would look up all the festivals that other films that we thought were similar budget level and so, similar like, you know, entertainment value had won or played. Mm-hmm. So we would we would go and, and, and even if somebody said, hey, you should submit to Scream Fest or whatever, I would I would look up Scream Fest and be like, OK, so the movie that won Best Picture last year is clearly a two million dollar movie. Uh, we're not going to enter that one. <laughs> you know? like, we would not do that. You got to play it, was, it smart. Exactly. Sure. And we, and we, and, we, and I mean, you know, honestly, like festivals sometimes can feel like a racket, like, because it's like, you know, each one is submission fees of 50 bucks. Like how many festivals can you really submit to when sure. you're, when you're, when your movie's being made for five grand? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and like, don't get me wrong. Festivals have a huge, um, value in our, in our, um, in our scene, but I'm not going to put aside like a quarter of the budget for festivals. Like that's absurd to me. I, I, I want the, I want the money on the screen. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, that's not even a guarantee. Like you submit it, you do the, you know, the huge application, you pay the 50 bucks and then you still may not even be admitted into the film festival, you know? So well, and, and I've learned a lot that, um, not all festivals, but there's plenty of festivals that know what movies are playing um, two months before the deadlines have ended, oh, you know? Yeah. And that's, oh, that's really great. not cool. Yeah, um, I think that's really dis- dishonest. So Yeah. That's a drag. For Absolutely, them. yeah. Um, and I think you mentioned this earlier, too, um, like about how expensive, you know, there's a movie who at this festival is $2 million. And I think most people realize now how expensive that filmmaking can be. Um, but I know you mentioned President's Day was made for like five grand. Yeah. Uh, how do you manage to create quality movies with a really small budget? Sure. <laughs> how do you do it? I think so, that's a really... <laughs> One of the things that was interesting about President's Day and, and all the ones after that, I'd say, um, with the exception of with the exception of WMF, because it, it's supposed to look cheap, and I shot a lot of that myself. Um, the the other ones after we finished. Um, you know, I, I shot Dead Teenagers and, and and Book of Lore and most of Grave Mistakes myself, um, with the exception of the wraparounds of Grave Mistakes. But there's something to be said for people who finish projects. Um, like finishing a feature film is like even a shitty feature film. If you finish it, I, I have a, a, an, um, an immense amount of respect for anyone who just finishes like an 80 minute or 90 minute movie. Right. So something that happened, um, around Baltimore where people are like, Oh, you know, Chris makes movies and he, he actually finishes them and screens them. And they're like, they're not half bad. Right. Um, I was, I'm not even gonna say they were, they were good. It's more just like, Oh, he, he is known as someone that accomplishes things and gets shit done. So there was a large group of folks that were like, well, shit, you know, I'm, I'm a gaffer or I'm a director of photography or I'm a sound guy. And I'd like to be on a team that, that finishes a movie sure. rather than, rather than just short films or rather than, you know, the movie that this guy has been working on for the last eight years and still hasn't finished. Mm. Um, so, uh, when we shot the grave, grave mistakes wraparound, you know, my buddies, um, Joe Davidson and Dan Tyag, um, he, they, they were like, we know you finished stuff. We want to have something else for our portfolio. Can we shoot the wraparound? And, and, and like, you know, I've never, I'm, I'm very open about this. I, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's, I wish I could do this, but I'm, I, I wish I could pay folks, but the fact is the budgets aren't designed that way. Right. Um, sure. but, but most of the crew on the stuff has, has, has worked for, for food. Um, and, and that's, and, and, but even then it's one of those things where we'd make these movies 
and people were just excited to make something that was fun to make. Um, you know, we had a, we had a, um, my buddy, Mark Burchick, who, who is now a great gaffer, he was on the set for call girl and we were, we were cleaning up blood one night and he turned to Jimmy and uh, he casually. said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, exactly right. It's always casually cleaning up blood. <laughs> and, um, he turns to Jimmy and goes, you know, when you when you grow up, um, watching movies and wanting to make movies, these are the type of movies you want to make. Um, and, and it's like something like that. It's like, it's, and, and I'm careful how I say this because people should be paid for their art. I'm not saying otherwise, but when you don't pay someone for something and they're still there and they're still there with you till three in the morning, um, you know, they're there because they love it and you share passion with them. And to be honest with you, those are the folks I want to make movies with. And that produces a good product. Mm hmm. You know, everybody's on the same page. Everybody has the pat the same passion to produce something that's going to. You're not going to look back on and be like, "Oh, well, I you know maybe wish that I'd done that a little bit different." Or, I mean, I'm sure you still have those feelings, but yeah, you look, you watch it, and you're like, "Okay, I did this. I'm proud of it." what now? Like, what, what am I going to do next? Like, you're not yeah. harping on, you know, you're not harping on what you could have changed or what you could have done more. It's just exactly what you wanted it to be. So that's, yeah. I mean, you, you can't rest on your laurels and I think it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, social media is kind of the scariest part about this is like you ha you're fighting for relevance every day, um, which which sometimes I get like, you know, it's like I don't really you know, I'm not, not going to post horror meme after horror meme every day. If, if I don't have anything interesting to say, I'll just shut the fuck up. But you, you know what I mean? Like it's um, you you definitely got to keep thinking about what's your next opportunity. Well, speaking of your next opportunity, we're going to talk about witches brew before we get to into WNUF. Sure. Um, everybody loves a horror comedy. So, you know, this is, this is one that I'm definitely excited about talking about and you're talking about being relevant. And I think that horror comedy is definitely a lot more relative, you know, especially in the past, like, you know, five to 10 years, a, a lot of good, a lot of good horror movies still have that comedic element and they can, you know, be so terribly scary at the same time, but putting in those laughs and then being able to catch you off guard is always a good thing. So, mm -hmm. uh, tell us about, you know, the development of Witch's Brew and, um, how did the production work out for you? Sure. So Witch's Brew was, um, Witch's Brew was one of those that started with the title. So like I, I, had been really into like curse movies. Like I just seen, um, when we were making that or like a year or so before we made that, I think, um, Drag Me to Hell had come out. Um, I was fascinated by the, um, Stephen King novel, um, or Richard Bachman novel, I guess just to say thinner. Um, I just love the idea of curses, um, and like, like, like body horror or things that happen to your body. And maybe that's because I'm a uh, type one diabetic and I know one day my, my body will be destroyed. Um, but like, it, it was one of those things where, um, I was fascinated by that and I was like, I'd like to make a witchcraft movie. And I came with the title witches brew and I was like, that's a cool term. Um, and I was like, what would a movie called witches brew be about? And of course, you know, brew beer, uh, which is <laughs> cursed beer. Got it. That's the plot. Right. And then I knowing that. that, and then I, I, I grew up loving the, um, the nightmare on Elm Street movies and i was like it'd be really fun to do sort of gruesome ironic deaths for like for like you know characters like you know somebody's worried about going bald but their their twist is that they turn into a werewolf rather than going bald you know <laughs> things yeah. like that or, or like a guy like a, a vietnam vet who who's in a, who's paralyzed his legs come back to life but then they kick him in the face right so like there, there's insane stuff right so um which is brew um that was, i wrote that one by myself and um we ended up um, – we needed to raise some serious money for that, and that was when Kickstarter first started. We ended up raising, I think, about thirteen grand on Kickstarter to make that one, 
and um, I think another couple thousand from some private investors. Um, but it was that project was really intense. We shot on the hottest summer that I can remember, but it might just be the hottest summer because we were outside for most of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, there were so many takes where like, oh cool our continuity is screwed up because um all, everyone's uh, pit stains are much worse now you know? <laughs> um and i'm trying to think what else sticks to, sticks out from the production of that movie um well in my personal life what was tough was i was working at the mayor's office in baltimore city and i had gotten laid off um right before we right before we we um started shooting that movie and um my health insurance uh this is crazy man literally the plan was to you know i got laid off and i was like i was gonna move to los angeles make an honest run at being a, a horror filmmaker like you know like cool whatever um but I, I i remember um my health insurance was insanely high i had to use cobra insurance my health insurance ended up going to like 900 dollars a month and like i said i was type 1 diabetic like i had no way to pay for insulin it was awesome and um Shoot. I was really upset, and I literally—I remember there was this moment where um, this is more of an emotional story than you probably expected to hear talking about, um, you know, you know, werewolves and and fake blood. Um, but uh, I remember just being devastated, and I told Jimmy, I was like, you know, maybe we should just not make this movie. Um, like maybe like this is a bad idea. Maybe I need to like just get a job, not spend the next month shooting a horror film. Like I'm kind of like screwed. I'm probably gonna. Have to- move back in with my parents like this is an awful situation and jimmy was like okay well just give it one day and like um you know see how it goes so we we the the first um the, the first part of the day sucked it was like we were shot at this liquor store um it was a mess and then the next part of the day was a death scene where where someone actually um uh essentially shits out intestines and um we're shooting this this scene in in my my parents garage we built these wild wall set um we have a fake we have a fake toilet that we've um or a real toilet but it's not actually plugged in that we got from habitat for humanity and we're (laughs) we're, um, (laughs) we're shooting this scene and um and i'm like super stressed out and we finally got to this moment where this fake blood blasts out from a cannon and shoots out behind um, uh, my buddy Paul, who's, who's the actor in the scene. And I always describe that this moment when the blood hit the back of the toilet seat, um, it it was like that moment changed the whole process for me. And I became like, no, this is fun. Like, like who the – who the fuck else gets to do this? Like I'm making a horror movie right now. People would kill to be making a horror movie with like a crew and like, you know, like legit mm-hmm. production value. And there was this moment where it became that, that movie became everything to me at that time in my life. I mean, I was going through a, a pretty um, tough situation and it was, um, it just, it, 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 it turned it around. Like it was, it, it made me realize like what horror movies meant to me and what storytelling meant to me. And, um, from that point forward, it was like, which is brew became, um, uh, you know, just, um, a blast. Like, even though it was super stressful at times, it was way more exciting than it was the, you know, the, um, you know, just, just like get this movie done, then move to LA, uh, which ironically I didn't, I didn't end up doing. I mean, you, you know, you talk about it being an emotional story and it's not what we expect, but that's part of it. That's part of the journey. And that was, you know, probably a lot of the emotion and the dedication that you put in to that movie. So that's, that's actually a really cool, a cool thing to hear. You, you find what you love and, it gets you through some tough shit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. sure. And this is like not related to the next question, but it, it's just, I think it's interesting cause I, I've done this before with like songwriting, but you know, writing the title down first and um, you know, so it's kind of interesting to see that you've applied that for, you know, filmmaking. Uh, I, I mean, it makes sense, but I've never, I don't know if I've heard anybody, say that they've done that so that's pretty cool 
<clears throat> but yeah, right we in my old band, we would just ride down. And, you know, sometimes it would just kind of write itself, you know, like, oh, well, this is about, this is about, this is about. So I guess you're just doing it on a much bigger scale, you know. Uh, For sure, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, So probably, I think as of right now, you know, obviously you're right in the middle of everything, but probably right now your biggest claim to fame is probably the WNUF Halloween special. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's incorrect to say. I think that's probably... You know, the one that's gotten you the most buzz and you're working on the sequel and everything. So it's probably the biggest one for now. Uh, we mm-hmm. love it, of course. Like I said, we we made that the number one movie for our Halloween list this year. And <laughs> um, as you'll hear later, I, I bought the vinyl off from Terravision. Like, yes, just, yeah. just love the whole thing. Um, how did the, the idea come about? Uh, what was the budget for that one? Uh, I know that a lot of the stuff you did yourself and you know you you filmed it that way on purpose because that's the way it was supposed to look but there's a lot mm. of people behind the scenes i guess that helped with maybe some of the stories and commercials and stuff like that mm. so and in this one you can go as long as you want you don't have to do an elevator pitch just however much time you want to talk about <laughs> sure thing sure thing um okay so uh coming with the story so what had happened was um, Witches Brew took a long time to finish. Um, we had some sound problems. Twenty five percent of the movie was had to be ADR'd. Um, I ended up, you know, spending a, like a long time working on the post production of that movie, mostly because we didn't have a, a dedicated DIT person like logging all the clips. So the post production workflow was a mess. I mean, I spent like a year in post on that, which was which was like painful for someone who's as impatient as I am. So um, and it, and it, it, we were coming on. I think the the first or second summer in years where we hadn't made a movie. And I told Jimmy, I was like, man, I really want to make another feature, but I don't know how, like I got this itch to make another movie. And, um, and I started thinking, I was like, honestly, man, the only way we could make another movie was if we made a found footage movie. And, and we kept thinking about that. And, and I, and I've always like, I don't really like found footage movies. Um, which is funny because like, um, I, uh, I mean, like, there's like, I, like, I love the Blair Witch Project, right? Um, and there's like a couple other ones that that stick out in my head as like cool movies, but there's very few that are as masterful, I think, as as the Blair Witch. And um, I ended up working on a movie in the interim, um, in, in between Witches Brew and WNF, uh, on a movie called Lovely Molly, which was produced by Ed Sanchez, um, who was the co-creator of Blair Witch Project. And I was um, one of the producers for their social media, what they called transmedia content, um, like story extension for that universe. And I, and as we were doing this, I was like, man, this is so much fun. This world building stuff that they're doing is something that really excites me. Cause it's like, it's sort of like when you're a kid and you're playing with action figures and you come up with all these weird, like, you know, like mythology and like intricate storylines where it's like, you know, it might, you know, it's all connected and all over the place. And I kept thinking about how you could do that, that sort of thing with the, with the movie. So going back to thinking about the, um, the found footage, stuff what we did was we sat down and we wrote a list of the um the the things we hated about found footage movies so um the the first thing was uh, immediately i think about the second something fucked up happens and someone keeps rolling like keeps the cameras rolling you're like okay this is bullshit right you know like that like this would not happen in real life um so it's like okay the conceit of the story why are they filming this was number one um number two uh they're it's so monotonous, like so many, um, uh, uh, found footage movies just feel like, um, it's one location, minimal actors. I get bored so fast. I need something to break it up. So, yes. um, I'm, I'm writing these down to make sure I, uh, say them. they're the, the solutions in order. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, and then the third one was, okay, 
the second you buy a found footage movie in a store with a UPC code, you know it's not real. And the whole point of found footage movies is, is to make it feel real, right? Okay. So we started thinking about, I was like, well, okay, well, why are we filming this thing? Well, maybe if they, if it, maybe if they stop filming this thing, um, they lose, um, they lose advertising revenue or they lose money or they lose their jobs. Right. Like this is, this, this is life or death to them because it's their, it's their, their livelihood. Right. So we started thinking like, Oh, what if it was like a video, you know, like what if it actually was a TV broadcast, which, which had been done before in, in various capacities. I mean, how there's a, like the Halloween, um, was it H2O? Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then we were thinking like, but like no one has ever done it where like it was legitimately like taped off TV. And if that was the case, you could actually use commercials to break up that monotony. Right. So that whole idea of like one location, minimal actors. No, we could literally break up the movie and make insane 80 style commercials. And then finally, the um, the third thing with the the idea of UPC codes, when we released the movie, the movie was released for the first three months on VHS only. And prior to that, prior to that official release of VHS, my, my then girlfriend, now wife, we drove around, we would, we would make the first batch of movies, uh, batch of, um, um, screeners we made were just VHS tapes, the white spine label that said WNF Halloween special. We'd drive around, we'd throw them out the window. We'd leave them in, um, <laughs> horror convention bathrooms. We'd put I them in crystal. So, so people were like, like some people found these things, like, like, what the fuck is this? Um, additionally, we put it on, we put it on Cinemageddon with a fake blurb that said, you know, my godmother, Mary Lou, uh, taped this on Halloween night, 1987. Uh, it's one of my favorite tapes. You guys got to check it out. I can't believe they aired this, you know? And then people would start, you know, commenting like, God bless aunt Mary Lou, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, and and that was the, 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 the shtick to sort of keep it as, as, you know, look, going into WNUF in five minutes, you know, it's not real, but it's sort of like, you know, you don't want to tell a five-year-old that Santa Claus isn't real, right? It's like, that's part of the fun. Like suspend your disbelief and have a good time watching something that someone is trying to create an experience for you. Uh, Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, And we mentioned earlier too, uh, we love this movie so much, but especially love intrepid investigative reporter frank stewart um (laughs) he's he's amazing in this (laughs) he's so great um investigating the haunted house and all of the mishaps with the seance is hilarious and also like kind of scary like i was watching it i felt like scared for frank (laughs) i wanted him to be safe um and i was wondering what is the casting process like for this film and for a film like this yeah um oh and i I do remember um eli you you asked me about who else was doing the commercials and stuff like that okay so um i'll answer two of those um so i I, I, f- I firmly treat um, my cast and crew like 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 family, right? Like like there are people that are like I will write roles for them, and the role of Frank Stewart was very seriously written for Paul Fahrenkampf. Um, Paul Fahrenkampf was actually the guy that ended up shitting his intestines out in Witch's Brew. He played a detective. <laughs> in president's day. And I just loved the guy. We like, I loved working with him. I thought he had a great sense of humor and a really fun, dry wit. So I wrote that part for him knowing that he could sort of play a sort of, you know, snarky, um, local TV, um, um, reporter. Now when we, when we auditioned him for the movie and I, even though I knew I wrote the movie for him, I still auditioned him cause I wasn't sure necessarily how he was going to do it. So what we did for the audition process was, um, we had some sides a very you know like the, the script the, the script is a script for WMF. it's not like it's not improv i mean people did improv here and there but it's still it is still a script and um what ended up happening was um paul would come in he did he would do the sides but then he also we would interview him in character and i would ask him like okay so you're you know you're in the river hill township market right now what, what market were you at before 
he's like, oh, well, I was up in Buffalo. You know, he would start responding as the character. And um, and I can't remember if it was that audition or, or the or the first one, but the first audition Paul had was he was awful. Um, like he was nervous, <laughs> and, he, and, and, and he like he, he I think he was trying to be. I wrote it for him knowing what was in his, like, like what his vibe was. And I think he was trying to be something totally different. And I sort of pulled him aside. I was like, dude, I wrote this fucking movie for you. Like, you know, like don't, don't overthink this, like be yourself and, um, and have fun with it. Don't be nervous. Like, I think that's one thing that people f- sort of forget. Actors forget. It's like, um, you enter an audition and people want you to succeed. Cause if you walk into an audition and knock it out of the park, that's fantastic. You've made my job easier. You know, right. um, and I, and, and I, and I think, and I think, you know, I understand why people, actors are nervous. There's a huge sense of vulnerability there. It's more just like, you know, always know that the, the people watching you audition, they're on your side. Mm-hmm. They want you to kick ass. Um, but I was going to say the audition process was, um, you know, we did, uh, uh, we did audition people with a couple little sides, but then mostly it was them improving, like asking them like, okay, you know, tell, tell me a story, you know, like tell me a time you saw a ghost and seeing how they're, how they had that sort of storyteller set of you know you know ranker right um and then we also you know when we, when we had cash the burgers um helen mary ball and brian st august we, we screen tested them together as well to make sure they actually felt like a couple um and then yeah so that, that was the big thing auditioning those folks um and then some folks for the small roles they weren't auditions at all it was more just like this is an easy role i know this guy can do it you know uh, we, all, we only auditioned the major major roles um but and then for the commercials um so the commercials were done. The commercials were not written uh, from a standpoint. They were not written in the script, right? Um, they were they were written piecemeal, one by one. And I had a couple different writers. So I wrote a bunch. My buddy Pat Stork wrote a bunch. My buddy Mike Moran wrote a bunch. Um, and like and and, and a, bu- a couple other folks um, wrote a handful. But like I wanted to vary the, the writers on those to make sure it didn't feel exactly the same. For producing them, I produced most of them. Um, I'm trying to think so the ones that I, that I, that I didn't produce, um, the parents against partying that was done by my buddy, Jim Branscombe. Um, my buddy, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's great. Um, the, uh, uh, the, um, Phil's carpet, that's my buddy, Sean Jones. And mm-hmm. then, um, Sean had, uh, Sean actually made a movie called camp killer. Um, then my wife, Melissa is in as well. Um, that's on Amazon prime right now, streaming free. It's like sort of like a postmodern slasher movie. And, um, so Sean did that. I, I did, I think I did some of the editing or the compositing on that. Um, the tampon commercial was written and directed by my buddy, um, Matt mentor, but I, I, I direct, I, um, DP that, um, the, um, what else? I'm, I know I'm forgetting stuff. Um, the, the, uh, the governor, the, the dandridge for governor spot, the, you know, um, you know, higher taxes, guns, abortions, yeah. or <laughs> yes. gun control abortions. My buddy, Andy Schwab did that one. Um, I'm trying to think there's, there's a couple more. I'm totally going to forget them. Oh, um, my buddy Scott McCubbin made the, um, the, uh, the commercial with the, um, the fake sitcom uh, with the alcoholic, um, uh, brother. Um, I'm trying to think what else those were, I think those were the, it's funny. Sometimes the reviews act like this was, this was like a film made by a collective, but we had like essentially like five guest directors first for commercials. Mm. Right. Um, so yeah. But that just kind of lends, you know, lends a hand to making it feel a little bit more authentic. So it's not, you can't tell that, oh, these commercials were clearly made, you know, with the same mind. So it's, it gives you that little bit of disconnect to, to give it a little bit more authenticity, in my opinion, just like, I mean, um, uh, the commercials for Grindhouse, um, Yeah, well, yeah, not definitely. The commercials, the the fake trailers. movie trailers. Yeah. So, so that's that's really cool. Where did you 
where did you like, where did these people get the inspiration for these commercials? Were, were they actually commercials in the past or sure. were they just completely fabricated? Do you know? So, so I know from, for my process, I would, there, there was two, there's two ways I did this. One was looking at resources. So I had started using, um, there's a site called video blocks, which is a stock footage site that had a bunch of assets that we could use. We also used like, I contacted filmmakers that I knew. Um, and then of course we, um, we shot a bunch of this stuff as well, but, um, like my buddy, um, Jeff Herbert, had been shooting video in the eight or the eighties and nineties. So I was like, Jeff, could I just see what stuff you have that you wouldn't mind me using? I'm um, Jared Bookwalter. For example, I asked him if I could borrow clips from his movie kingdom of the vampire or chick boxer. And he said, yeah, sure. No problem. So long story short, like we looked at resources and I was like, what actual commercials could we build out of all this footage of people, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, you know, what, what, what footage can I make out of this close up of popcorn butter? You know? Um, <laughs> so things like that. And then um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the the other thing was we we did look at a lot of old '80s commercials when I was writing the movie. Um, so Frank, the Frank Stewart character is um, is based off of obviously two people. One is um, uh, or generally influenced by two people. Geraldo is obviously one of them. Like the whole idea of going to Alcoa Capone's vault. But then additionally, this um, a local um, Baltimore anchor that I always thought was uh, a little bit bitter about their circumstances in life. <laughs> um, and that guy's. That guy's experience, like I, I basically, you know, God bless my godmother Mary Lou. Um, she is a pack rat, and she has t- shelves upon shelves of old VHS tapes, and she had taped a bunch of old episodes of this guy's talk show. So when I was writing the screenplay. I was playing old videos from the eighties of this guy's TV show. I mean, like he had specials about like, you know, is your kid wetting the bed? Like, you know, like all these really (laughs) weird like topics. And, um, I would watch those just as sort of like background noise. But sometimes like, like the commercials I saw, I was like, Oh shit, we have to have a, a lawyer ad or like, Oh, we have to do an ad about tampons. That's like obviously weird and unusual, you know, like, like Mm -hmm. things like that. Like, um, uh, it, that, that it, it just, I just started writing a running list, and I pair that with what B-roll assets we had. Well, I like that you have a really deconstructed um, way of thinking of things with you know coming up with titles and then building around the title. I, I I think that that's really interesting, and I think that that's super clever. Thank you. It's not coming up with you know coming up with the story and then coming up with a shitty title. <laughs> <laughs> Because some movies can be really good, but their titles, it doesn't make you want to watch them. Sometimes the title is what draws you in first. So I think that that's really smart. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And, and, and that's sort of like the weird thing where it's like I tried to think about like you're making a movie about media – but knowing that the people making the media you're watching are at different skill sets. So for example, like what you just said about the title, like when you see the late night movie is sarcophagus, sarcophagus is a shitty title for a movie, but I could totally imagine someone having a mummy movie with an elaborate title that the distributor was like, nobody knows what that means. Just call it sarcophagus. (laughs) And the one, um, the, uh, the outer space movie, um, galaxy pilot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That reminded me of, this is dating me. Uh, I'm the oldest one on the podcast, but, by the way, um, <laughs> there was a uh, the best way I can. Ex- well, there was I think there was two. Actually, there was a laser tag cartoon like I think it was called Laser Tag Academy. But oh, there wow. was there was like this live action, some kind of Saturday morning laser tag thing. And the thing Are that you- was weird was that like they played like modern songs on the show. Like you would hear like Duran Duran and then you'd hear like, you know, and it was just so strange, but it like it looked like that 
little yeah. commercial. I don't it, know. It, um, are you talking about Captain Power, right? No, I thought it was Captain Power, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd have to go look. I don't remember Captain sure. Power having like you know modern you know songs on it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's in that vein. It looks like that, like the live action stuff. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I, I, cool. I what I tell people about this is. I got about halfway through the movie before I realized the commercials were fake. Like I thought they were, <laughs> I thought that you just like the, the live stuff you recorded and then you just found all these old commercials and then halfway through, <laughs> I don't remember which That's one it awesome. was, but I was like, Oh, okay. So they just done the whole thing. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So. yeah. The carpet one, I was really thrown off. I was like, wait a second. I've seen about a million of these. So yeah. this has got to be from some like local TV station. <laughs> it's too good. Yeah. It's too good. Um, so I have the next question, but this is kind of an extension to what we had just discussed. Um, where was where did you guys find the house? Like, where's the house? Was that a buddy's sure. house, or did you rent it? Or no. So, so the house there. This is interesting. Um, we had actually shot Book of Lore there. We shot parts of Grave Mistakes there. Um, we shot um, what else? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then maybe no, nothing in Witches Bro. But anyway, um, it, it is a, um, a currently vacant, I don't know, although I, or at the time it was vacant, um, rectory. So they were, they were where priests lived. Um, and it was part of a, um, a Catholic high school, a Catholic hospital, um, in Baltimore County. And our buddy, Mike Baldwin, his, um, his dad was the head of, of this hospital. And, they weren't using the space. So like they're like, we asked them like, Hey, can we shoot a movie there? Cause we'd shot a bunch there already. And they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. And it was, it was perfect. Cause it was empty. Right. And then we got in there a couple days earlier to, um, to throw, you know, uh, uh, sheets over everything. So it looked like an old haunted house. Like, you know, it's like swirl leaves around. I mean, but it was, it was huge. I mean, literally it was like, it's at the height of it. You'd probably have like 15 to 20 priests living there. Um, so it, we were really lucky. I mean, it's, it's a great location. Like without that location, that movie doesn't work. You know, like if, if you put that location, in just a house in the suburbs, it's not half the movie, you know? Right. So, well, this is the official question now. Um, so we were talking about earlier about the the vinyl. Um, I ca- I'm calling it a crossover. I don't know what, what you sure. you know tie in whatever. But the uh, w- WNUF TV 28 presents Frank Stewart investigates Halloween LP um, uh-huh. is released by Terravision Records. Um, I actually it was funny. I uh, I was watching the movie for like the thousandth time, and I I threw up a little. Um, I made a little, you know, put Frank Stewart's picture on a milk carton and put it up on Twitter. It's like, please come home or something. You know, like, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and Jimmy was like, Hey, you know, we, that we released this. Right. And I clicked and I was like, what? <laughs> so, um, so he actually was the one that turned me on to it and it's, cool. it's just awesome. So how did that come about? I mean, that's, you know, I, again, dating me, I remember the, you know, we are the world vinyl and they even used to release vinyl on for like, like in newspapers, there was like a McDonald's had a vinyl that came out and it was like, yeah, the, the Big Mac song. And if you're yeah. finished, you want a million bucks or like, so like vinyl tie-ins was like, that was a thing. So doing mm-hmm. this and then also you're too much, you, the first couple you know, releases were just VHS. It's just a perfect tie-in. So how did that come about? Did they approach you? Did you approach them or? So, yeah. So, so, um, Ryan from Terrorvision hit me up and he was like, Hey man, I, I, I love WF and, um, I want to put out the soundtrack, um, because I'm starting a horror soundtrack label. And I, and I, um, I told him, I was like, Ryan, that, I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, but the soundtrack, 
soundtrack for WF wouldn't be a soundtrack. There's no soundtrack except like the songs that are in the commercials. Like that would be. Re- I don't think anyone would actually want to listen to 30 second songs. Like I mean, maybe they would. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> but most of that was you know royalty free audio. You know, it's like stock music. So like we couldn't even release that officially anyway. So but as as I was um as he told me this, I was like the opportunity existed for something. I was like I collect spoken word records like i love old um like horror radio show vinyl um like scary um scary sounds special um you know like the sound effects records i collect that stuff i mean i have a huge collection of of that stuff um and uh and i and i told ryan i was like look it's on my bucket list to write a spoken word horror record and like i can come up with an idea to figure out like how to make that a, a sequel slash prequel to wf like it'd be really fun so ryan was like yes i I was actually hoping you'd pitch me that i didn't want to sort of like you know he's like ryan was like i didn't want to ask you to do that but that's what i was sort of pitching because he's like ryan and i are very much kindred spirits and subsequently since that since that project um you know we we, i did another spoken word record um that's that's um in the works with them um not wf related but but a similar type content um album and then i've been cutting all their all their videos for social media so i cut all their promos for all the record releases um but anyway so so we, we basically pitched in the idea of of the um this record is being used to raise money to find frank um and uh, he loved that and then we, we we broke it down into two sides knowing that like you know frank could have been the whole record but i thought i didn't want to give up the burgers i think the burgers for me are just really fun characters so you know side a is all frank's um the audio from frank's halloween themed news packages from like 84 85 86 and then the other side is an um excerpts from sounds of the spirit world which was uh, the hard to find 1976 lp from the burgers um <laughs> so yeah i mean we, we and we had a really fun time doing it. I mean, that was probably the most fun i've ever had um because it, it was such low pressure like you know when, when you're making a movie you have to worry about things like you know how, how much more daylight do i have before we finish this scene um you know what's the what's the call time are these people going to schedule correctly with the record i could sh- i could inter- i could um record people one at a time um you know scheduling wasn't really that much of an issue i could go to them if i needed to so it was really relaxed and it was a lot of fun well i love it that <laughs> does sound really fun <laughs> and you guys have come up with a sequel for this one and even started to go fund me so tell us as much as you can yes. about the sequel and uh, where people can go to go give you money for yes. it <laughs> <laughs> okay so um basically um I, I'll, I'll put it you guys this way um as soon as I finished the the edit of WNUF before I started running it through the VCR um it was really sad for me because I've never had more fun um, like just like, like creating or coming up with ideas. Like I did when we were making WNUF, like it was just, it was just, it was a blast. Like I really loved making that movie. And when it was over, it didn't feel like it was over. Cause I started thinking about these characters as things that lived on. Like in my head, I know exactly what happened, you know, to the, the lead actor on, on galaxy pilot, or I know what happened to Veronica Stanzi. Right. And, I, and, and those stories existed in my head, but it's like, do people actually give a shit? And then as, as I saw WNUF become popular i was like no i think people actually would give a shit and like the 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 sequel album when that came out that was really cool and um you know people were hungry for more stuff so um over the last two years i've been slowly but surely like compiling um assets to to make a a sequel to wf like so new stuff for new commercials figuring out plot beats and things that i could do with the characters um and um so so what i'll tell you is this and 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 there's more detail online but i'm going to try to give you guys a little bit of of, of some some more meat to what the sequel is 
So the WNF sequel is a um, what I would consider a spiritual sequel, right? Um, what WNF Halloween special is the 80s. This is what I'm trying to do in the 90s. So the sequel will take place in the, in the 1990s. Oh, I'm um, so excited. And, <laughs> and um, it, it, characters, so will, characters will return. Um, and not even characters that you'd think will um, will return. Like, I mean, Veronica Stancy will be in the movie. Like, Nicolette Flaffet, who plays her, will be in, this, in the sequel. Um, but also, um, through some creative means... Um, uh, you, Paul Ferencop as um, Frank Stewart will be back. The Burgers will nice. be back. Nice, yay! Uh, so there's there's some really cool things. Like, um, how do I put this? If you like the original, you're going to be happy with this. And if you grew up watching um, Basic t- Cable in the 1990s, you're really going to like this too. Um, it's 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 a really unique, weird movie, and I'm excited to see where the where I'm going to take the story. For the elevator pitch for this one, I would just say this. Um, do you guys remember the show Sightings? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, and if, if not, maybe in search of might be a better a better analogy or something like that, or like mystery, magic, and miracles or something. Mm. Imagine, imagine if Jerry Springer hosted an episode of Sightings. Oh man! Um, and, and that's like that is like the genesis of what I'm trying to tell you guys. So, like for me, the 1990s at media 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 came more sophisticated in the 1990s. You have the the, the real the acceleration of the 24-hour news cycle. You have extreme marketing to children. Um, you have sensationalism in a heightened sense of the word that you hadn't seen before. I mean, this is the the era of you know the O.J. Simpson car case. This is the mm. this is the Tanya Harding. Um, you know, like um, that, all that stuff is is going to be encapsulated in this film in a way that still is is um, appropriate to the universe we created, and also um, you know just like like you know horror kitsch and Halloween kitsch. So. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited. All you had to do was say 90s for me and I'm in. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, I, I totally forgot the, the call to action. Um, it's on GoFundMe. So it's um, it's if you go to GoFundMe.com and just search WNUF or Halloween special, it'll come up. Um, and, you know, some people wondered why we're doing GoFundMe. Me. The reason why we're doing GoFundMe is because of um, for a couple reasons. One, they, they take the lowest percentage out, and I want all the money to go on the screen. Um, but then, additionally, um, Kickstarter and um, Indiegogo have time limits for their campaigns, and I'm going to let this campaign go for longer than most campaigns, just because now it is so difficult to get eyeballs on um, social media posts sure. um, that that I just want to have a longer a longer life cycle for the campaign. Well, yeah, we will undoubtedly sense. help you and post it everywhere. Awesome. That you. way we can get you the, all of the support that we absolutely can drum up for you with our, yeah. with our followers for sure. Um, we, you know, support projects that have passion behind them is my, you know, if people are dedicated and people want to work hard. Like why wouldn't you support it? So, um, so speaking of online and social media, where can we find you? Sure. Yeah. So like I'm on Facebook, um, just search Chris LaMartina, L-A-M-A-R-T-I-N-A. And, and if, and if we have a bunch of mutual friends, I'll probably accept it. If you don't have many mutual friends, just drop me a message saying, Hey, you're a WNF fan or something. And, and obviously I'll accept it. Um, on Twitter, I think it's uh, twitter.com slash just Chris LaMartina. I don't think there's a dot in there. Um, and then Instagram it's a uh, Chris dot LaMartina. Um, so yeah, like I'm always posting weird stuff on Instagram. I'm I'm not as active on Twitter as I should be, um, but you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we are, actually. So yeah, same. Well, cool, man. Well, um, I 
that's, I mean, that's, we can, we're at about 57 minutes. So that's pretty good. Um, we didn't get to talk to Thulu. <laughs> oh, you know, I was thinking about that once we, uh, once we had the, once I had the questions wrote and I was like, I think I'm missing something. Um, so, I mean, we can hop in real quick. Where does it, where is that in the chronological? I, I think I got it confused. Is it, did that one come after WNUF? It did. Yeah. So we, we were, <laughs> this is insane. This is, this is, this will tell you about just how batshit crazy we are. Um, WNUF, um, we shot in, um, August and August and a couple days from August to October in 2012. And then April, 2013, we were shooting call girl and we were editing WNUF while we were doing pre-production on call girl of Cthulhu. So call girl of Cthulhu is our, our HP Lovecraft, um, horror sex comedy. Um, it's an, an insanely gory, uh, film with lots of crazy creature effects. If if you like Frank Henenlotter movies, like you know Basket Case or Frank and Hooker, I think mm-hmm. you'd really dig that. Nice. Um, it's it's how I met my wife. Uh, she is the title role, and that's how we, we fell in love making that movie. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> that's adorable. And, and um and there and there's a ton of stuff like that. Like it, like the um the Blu-ray that um that uh, Pop Cinema and Camp Motion Pictures um put out. They ha- we have um a whole making of documentary. Um, I think it's called Lights, Tentacles, Action, and um. It's 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 a really fun movie. I mean, like I think you know if if you're if you're familiar with the work of H.P. Lovecraft, but you also just like sort of like you know you know really gross, gooey horror comedy, you'll you'll get a kick out of it. Oh, uh, I'm in. What was the budget <laughs> for that one? That was for forty grand. So that was hmm. the biggest budget we ever had, and 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 the lion's share of the budget went to special effects. And when you see the movie, you'll know why. I mean, we spent eleven thousand dollars just on special effects for that movie. Uh, um, and then, yeah, so that was, that was the, uh, that's, that, that's, that I would say if you, if you wanted like, what, what, what is the epic call girl Cthulhu is the epic. Nice. Nice. Um, and then I saw, um, I saw, I, I think from Jimmy's post, um, the one that you have in post right now, um, how, is, is that a full length? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. It is. So it's called, um, what happens next will scare you. Right. And, um, it's a, it's a clickbait horror satire. So basically the, the, the plot is this, um, a group of, um, imagine like folks that work right for Buzzfeed, right? They're voting on the top 13 scariest viral videos and an early entry into their night's, um, listicle ends up being a record that supposedly brings back evil spirits and spirits of the devil of uh, uh, spirits of the dead so like all the monsters from these viral videos come back to the the clickbait office to wreak havoc nice. um, it's, <laughs> so it's, it's it's an anthology movie where all the segments are found footage horror shorts um you know it's it's, it's crazy stuff you know it's like you know we have like a vatican sanctioned how to perform an exorcism tape um we've got uh, a, a teen vlogger that's gradually being cursed um it's like so, so it's things like that that um it, 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 the whole movie, it's funny, and I'm, you know, I, I, we haven't talked about this thematically too much yet. But th- the movie is really about where Jimmy and I felt our career was going toward the end of our um, um, last couple of years. Where it's like, you know, were we making meaningful art, or were we, or we, ju- were we, we just sort of doing jazz hands to stay relevant? And I think that's something that we've, that I've, uh, that I think both of us have really tried to fight against. We don't just want to make horror movies to make horror movies. We want to do something that's actually like impactful. And what happens next will scare you. Is literally these folks in an office deciding like, you know, how do we stay relevant when really it's just kind of like, you know, sad to be sensational just to be sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I, I think for um, you know anyone who's thoughtful will see that movie and and, and get some 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 nice little uh, emotional catharsis out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that's cool. So then, I guess um, the uh, the WNUF s- sequel that is that the next big thing you're working on, or do you it have is, anything yeah. else? So, 
Yeah, what happens is X will scare you should be um, it's in color correction and, and digital compositing stuff right now. Hopefully that'll premiere in the spring or next October if we want to wait that long. Um, WNUF Halloween sequel, uh, as we're calling it right now, um, that will hopefully start shooting in spring or summer of next year. And um, I mean, that's the, that's the big thing. I mean, like, you know, um, you know, full disclosure. You know, it's 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 hard to it's hard to make these movies as 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 somebody with like you know a mortgage and a full time job to like sort of make the time to make these things. But um, but but uh, you know, I I, I, I we do it because we love it, and uh, you know, it's if if you really want to do something, you make time for it. So yeah, well, that's awesome. We're um, we're really excited. Um, you know, the the one in post sounds pretty funny. Um, and, um, you know, of course, the, the WNUF sequel. That was one of the few films over the last, you know, five or ten years where it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm down for a sequel for that. That's, that's <laughs> Thank so, you. Um, but, yeah, so thanks for coming by, man. Thanks for Thank you know, you. chatting. Give us a little bit of a scoop. And uh, we'll uh, – this will probably air Friday. Um, so between now and then, I'll, uh, I'll get the link and – post it in the notes and stuff and we'll post a thing on, on Instagram about it and everything. So, um, so yeah, man, so appreciate it. And, um, I appreciate it too. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) All right. Cheers y'all. Thank Thank you you. so much. Of course. Thank you. Right, so that was our interview, and um, the girls pointed out that before we went to the interview, I totally butchered his name. I didn't even put the law at the beginning of Martina, <laughs> so that's it's been a long day, guys. Like after work, I had to run to the chiropractor, then I had to run to the store, and then I come here and just excuses. I know excuses. I know. It's just so, the law. Jeez, so, it's just a law. Just we did law. say that we were going to try and just on purpose say his name like ten different ways, mm-hmm. but. And we you we know, lived you, it. You took that very seriously. Yeah, yeah, we lived it. You put well, it into the universe, and, and it it's comes funny true. because it's not even like on purpose. Like I'm I'm trying to say <laughs> it, and it's just I just fail as a human. So, but That's yeah, okay. so, so that was uh, Chris Lay Martini, and um, <laughs> he was awesome. And we're very excited for the WNUF uh, sequel. Uh, I'll just watch, like, I'll just throw that on at lunch. Like, it's just background. It, it's kind of up there with, like, the Lost Boys now. Like, I just, I'll, I'll watch it at any time. It's just, like, comfort food, you know. I'll just watch it just to watch it. And, um, but now that he said that they released it on VHS, I got to find one of those some bitches. Got to um, get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, we're going to do the social stuff real quick. Yeah, find more of our ramblings at music city horror on instagram facebook twitter uh you can download our podcasts wherever you're listening to it right now (laughs) so itunes not on spotify yet um but yeah we can uh you can find us pretty much anywhere at music city horror and i think we'll, we'll probably record again between now and then unless something happens like this past month but um in the event that we do not um the new uh the new joe bob special will be airing on thanksgiving night Woo! yes and um so i don't know all the details on that so if you just go follow him on twitter he has all the 
the movies and stuff and all that. Um, we also partnered with Shutter. So if you do not have a Shutter subscription, uh, if you sign up and use the code MCH, short for Music City Horror, should be easy to remember. Uh, you get a thirty day free trial. So that is a cool thing that he's letting us extend, or they are letting us extend to you guys. So definitely worth worth the money. I mean, it's five bucks a month, and you get awesome stuff. It's it's just really hard to beat. And um, they'll sometimes do a thing where if you pay for the year, you get it for whatever, I don't know, 40 bucks or something. Like you save money by paying for the full year or whatever. So, I mean, it's really cheap for the amount of stuff that they give you. Like they had like three or four of the Halloween movies last month. And I mean, it's just, it's an awesome. It is. It's so worth it. It's like the best five bucks that I spend a month. It's so worth it. And they brought back Joe Bob. So what's not to like? Yes. I know they really, they really should charge more for what they give us, but I'm glad they don't. And it's amazing. (laughs) So, yeah. So that wraps up our show with the three, three men crew. And, um, hopefully we'll have all four of us again next time. And, um, yeah. So thanks for reading our Halloween horror movie list that we did. Um, I'm glad that we only did the one list this year because, Oof, it was yeah, a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I think it we was just, a lot of fun, but we it was... jumped in last year. Like, screw it, let's do two lists, and it was like, oh man. So um, and people, and now it's like a good resource for people. You know, if they're looking for things for their kids to watch, but mm-hmm. that's a good thing to do once and then not do again. Not do <laughs> was, again. Yeah, yeah, so. it's good. So, anyways, yeah. So, uh, Kayla, KB, and Eli, and uh, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.